0: Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Are you all ready for the Bible today? Hebrews 12.2 says, Fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and it's our privilege to come and gather in the name of Jesus. Jesus, we are proud uh, to be your followers and humbled to be your followers. And we're so thankful, Lord, for who you are. And we want, especially in this season of the year, to really honor what you've done for us. We recognize that we can't be here on our own, and we can't um, know you without you pursuing us. And so we love you today, and uh, we open up our hearts to hear from you. Lord, instruct us, lead us, guide us, teach us by your Holy Spirit. I just believe that, Father, you're going to have something for every single person in the room. Lord, I pray for the empowerment and the leading of your spirit, God, to share what's in your heart today in a way that honors you and... Uh, does service to your word. We love you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. So last year, last week, excuse me, I started a a series called Keeping Score. And last week, we watched Jesus from the time of the Last Supper um, through his arrest. And we saw Jesus suffered a lot. We were watching the score. It was looking like it was really getting racked up on Jesus, right? Like he suffers this betrayal with Judas. He suffers the abandonment of his disciples at the, at the arrest. He's arrested like a criminal. Our savior, right, is arrested. And, and it looks like the enemy is just having a heyday and running up that score and, uh, against Jesus and the kingdom of God for that matter. But we leapt forward to the cross where Jesus declared on the cross, he says, it is finished. And he gave up his life, paying for the sin of the world through his unjust murder. And, and in that moment, you know, we're in the NCAA final four and all of that right now. In that, in that moment, it was like Jesus took that shot and swoosh, and it was like an infinity score. It's like he paid for the sins of of the world. Talking about running up the score against the enemy. He took care of our issue of sin once and for all. And the final score is way in our favor. We talk about how, you know, in the book of Revelations, Jesus wins, right? Like we know how this ends. And, you know, the application in our daily life is that there are times and seasons where we feel like the score is getting run up on us. You go through trials, you go through hardships, you go through those why moments, those why seasons, that if it's not one thing, it's another season, and just encouragement of, hey, hang in there and seek the Lord, because the Lord's going to be the one who brings you through, and hey, he wins. He wins, and he wins convincingly. Amen? Today, we're going to go back to the trial of Jesus, where the religious rulers um, hand Jesus over to the governor, Pilate, and we're going to drop in with Matthew chapter 27, verse 15. It says, Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd gathered, Pilate asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? And I tell you, when I'm reading these words, it's just so powerful. Like, For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed him over. The religious rulers, they persuaded the crowd to have Jesus executed. You know, the religious rulers, they wanted Jesus They wanted him gone. They wanted to rid themselves of him because Jesus was challenging their authority. As a matter of fact, when you find the moments where Jesus is kind of the most curt or the most kind of in-your-face, it's with people who say they're religious but are hypocrites, right? He's hard on them. He's pretty gracious with a lot of other folks, right? Jesus was inconvenient for them and honestly, like, for their power structure, right? And when we read this, we see a Savior who's suffering unjustly as we should. And when we read this, we take Jesus aside. Don't you take Jesus aside? If you don't take Jesus aside, we need to talk. And that's like entirely appropriate, right? But for a moment, I want to ask you to read this just from another vantage point. What if it's my self-interest that put Jesus on the cross? What if the challenge he poses to my authority, put him on that cross? And that every time in my life I say, my way, not your way, Jesus, the cross is necessary, right? What if, it's, if, if the inconvenience that Jesus poses to my life put him on the cross? And every time I say, you know, that doesn't work for me, Jesus, no, not right now, and I hit the pause button on my faith or I say, no, not in that area, The cross becomes necessary. I really want to encourage you. You know, in a room like this, you know, we've got people who on all gamuts of the faith, and I want to tell you, wherever you are on the gamut, we're glad you're here. If you're still checking Jesus out, check him out all day long. Ask good questions, that kind of thing. We are for you. You you are. We we love you. If you're in the beginning steps, we are just so excited for you. If you've been serving Jesus forever, we love you too. But wherever you are on the gamut. I just want to encourage you, like, in this season that we're in, and even in this time period of Easter, I think there are things in our lives where we hold back from the Lord. Maybe areas, thought patterns, habits, addictions, things where we go, you know, Jesus, you have all of these areas, but in this area... For some reason, I'm having a hard time like yielding that to you. And I I want to encourage you even this week, like to just kind of be real and honest with yourself. By the way, God already knows. And if you feel that, like that tap on your shoulder, it ain't going away. (laughs) He doesn't go, Oh, I give up. You're not going to wear him out. Jacob tried that, got a bad hip out of it, right? Like, you are not going to wear God out. Not our Jacob. There's a Jacob in the Bible. Oh, we're like, Jacob, is your hip okay? <laughs> Different Jacob. But first of all, you know that he wants that area of your life because he loves you and because he has something better for you. But I want to encourage you this week, maybe if there's that area in your life where you're holding back his lordship, him, him being the leader and God in that area of your life, I just want to encourage you, just like, sit down for a moment and just really think, why am I resisting? right like what are the real reasons that i won't give this area over to the lord maybe it's an area of unforgiveness and it's just like it's so hard for you to forgive and you're like i know god wants me to forgive and i know i'm still holding on to something i just want to encourage you like have a real conversation with yourself and then invite the lord in it and just have that conversation and go why am i limiting this i just want to tell you he loves you and he wants to bring Freedom in that area of your life. And there is no area of lordship in your life where in the long run you will regret it. Maybe, maybe that area, it feels like loss, but I want to I encourage you, it may feel like loss, and it probably is loss because we like being in control, but I'll tell you, he has something for you, and he has something better. So, you know, when we read this story, we've got to recognize we actually put him on the cross. Obviously, we're rooting for Jesus, and we're, you know, but we are the ones who put him on the cross. Amen? Um, Jesus, he's he is inconvenient when you're looking out for number one. And like self-interest and being a disciple like really don't mix. Right? It just doesn't mix. And Jesus explains it really clearly in the, in the Gospels. In Luke 9, 23, he says, Then he said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must first deny themselves. Would you say deny themselves? Yeah. Deny themselves. Oh, that, oh, man, that sounds great. I love denying myself. Um, and take, it reminds me of metabolism. Like Metabolism is just a terrible thing. I don't understand what this metabolism thing is. And if you're under the age of 30, I, just give me a moment. In, in a few years, we'll talk. But metabolism is a rough thing, is it not? It's like you can eat the exact same things that you used to eat, and I'm a bigger man for it. And it's just like, it's like the struggle. It's real. It's really real. Anyhow, sorry. Just, I'm just opening up. I'm just, you know. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So that's an interesting concept that there is something that is regular about denying ourselves. Now, let's let's, you know, we're keeping score, right? What you deny yourself versus what he gives you. First of all, that's a good deal. Just practically speaking, right? And what you deny yourself and the things that we say no to ourselves and the things that we may go through and some sacrifices we made, would you like to to compare your sacrifice with his? Right? So, like, we're just going to remove all of that altogether. But I'll say this. He's worthy of our sacrifice. There are things in life that are worthy of sacrifice. Sacrifice. Right, you're like, man, I, I I want that thing in my life, or I want to do that, and it's like it is worthy of the sacrifice that you make to for whatever it is. And I gotta tell you, if there's someone worthy of our sacrifice, it's the Lord. Yeah. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will um loses their life for me will save it. You know, being a disciple does mean denying ourselves and putting Him before others before ourselves first. It does mean taking up our cross, right? God's will and his word before my own, the priority of it. And it does mean following him. But it's so much better. Let's continue. In Matthew 27, verse 21, it says, Which of of the two of you, excuse me, which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, Crucify him. Isn't that just eerie? Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that in instead of an uproar was instead an uproar was starting he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd i am innocent of this man's blood he said it is your responsibility all the people answered his blood is on us and our children Whew. then he released barabbas to them but he had jesus flogged and handed over To be crucified. Man, Jesus is declared innocent. Pilate's wife says, That innocent man. Pilate says, What wrong has he done? And yet the people are crying, Crucify. And I I keep going back to like the, you know, they wanted him gone because he was inconvenient. They wanted him gone because they wanted to do their own will. And it's like, you know, honestly, like in us, it's like we are the ones who are putting him up there. And each time this year, you know, I love following Jesus. But I really appreciate this time of year just remembering that, hey, I'm part of what put him up there. And I don't mean that from a shame standpoint. I mean that for an honoring the fact of what he did and that it was for me. So they release a murderer and an insurrectionist. That's what Barabbas was. And Pilate, Pilate ends up, releasing an insurrectionist to avoid an insurrection, which is kind of ironic because he was afraid of an uproar. So he releases an insurrectionist, right? It's like, okay, that feels a little kind of interesting thinking. And Pilate releases a murderer only to commit murder. It's just this irony of all the people that they could release and what was going on. And the people cry out, they cry out like, his blood is on us and our children. I'm thinking... You ever like, want to like, you know, butt in and go like, stop it, stop it, don't say that. What a terrible thing to say. And it's true because the decision of the crowd uh, was to cry out, crucify, right? And, and the need for the cross um, is on us and his blood is on all of us and we've all sinned. Well, ironically, the spilling of his, blo- of his innocent blood would cover our sins. It's just such an interesting irony of it all. Even the picture last week when Jesus is arrested and it says that they all deserted them. And later on you see like Peter's tagging along and he's watching and that kind of thing. But there's that statement, they all deserted him. And it was like looking at this and going, there was something that Jesus just had to do on his own. There was something that he, he just had to be the one to handle it. And even the picture of everyone deserting him, I think it's chilling and it's sad, but then you just realize, yeah, like I guess we all have, right, kind of thing. Verse, uh, verse 27 in Matthew. The governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered a whole company of, of soldiers around him. They stripped him. And put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and they set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and they took a staff and they struck him on the head again and again. After they mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him and then they led him away to crucify him. I know for a lot of us, like, this is kind of hard to read, right? It's hard to look at. You know, they spit on him. They they gave him a staff to mock him. And then they took the staff back and they hit him on the head. It says, again and again. They dressed him like a king, but he was a king, right? They knelt before him, but he really was worthy of honor and devotion. Like, it's such an ironic picture, right? They mocked him. And that's exactly what sin does is sin mocks God. Right? Our our sin mocks him as king, mocks him as Lord, and it doesn't honor him. And when I think of that, I go, okay, Lord, my sin. My sin dishonors you, Lord. And the thing that honors you, that does honor you is my repentance. Yeah, you know, I think some of the time, we give repentance a bad rap. And I think because for some of us, repentance has represented so much shame and sorrow. And maybe you have a process of self-loathing and kind of like hitting yourself. And that's what Martin Luther would literally like hit himself and beat himself because of sin and things like that and put himself through. But see, here's the thing. You can't do anything to pay for your sin. Jesus did it, right? But repentance is a really beautiful thing. It is a humble thing. It is a transparent God, I did it wrong, and taking ownership and not making excuses, amen? But the act of repentance brings you to a place where Jesus removes the guilt. And it brings you to the place of removing the shame. I don't know about you, but for me, the hardest part about repentance is then walking without the shame and the guilt and realizing it's gone, I shouldn't carry it. Can I say that again? Well, the hardest parts about repentance is recognizing that the guilt and the shame is gone and that I don't need to carry it anymore. And that's really what it's supposed to, it's supposed to bring freedom in your life, it's supposed to bring a place of restoration in your life. Repentance is a gift from the Lord. Aren't you thankful that the Lord hasn't looked at us and said, oh, there's a moment in which I don't want to hear it anymore. Oh, but I don't see that in his word. And I don't see that in his heart. I see that he is way more patient than I am with others. Yeah. I know he's been way more patient with me than I've been with others. Yeah. Man, repentance is such a gift. Repentance is us like putting the crown on him and saying, Yeah, you are my king, you're worthy of my repentance. You're worthy of me coming before you and me reporting to you and saying, Lord, I'm sorry for that behavior. I'm sorry for that attitude. I'm sorry for that action because, Lord, I serve you, and you're, you're worthy of better than that, and I love you. Repentance is such a gift. And honestly, if, just stepping back for a moment, if you struggle with carrying the shame and carrying the guilt, I just want to encourage you, like, when you come and you sincerely say, Lord, forgive me, and I want to turn away from that, he really does remove the guilt and the shame. He's, he, he's not putting you in the penalty box for, for, for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or two hours or two days and saying, you just hold yourself down, your head down for a few days for that, that one, right? You just put yourself in timeout. Now, there may be consequences and natural consequences towards sin. I don't know about you, but I find they have consequences, right? But your status before the Lord, he removes your shame and he removes your guilt. And that should humble us and make us want to serve him all the more. But if you're carrying that shame, I just want to encourage you, let it go. His forgiveness really does work. And his removal of shame really does work. And when you repent, you make him the king in your life. You acknowledge that he's the king. And you bring worthy worship of him, to him, right? You put the real robe on him, if you will, in your own heart, and your own mind. He's already got the robe. He's already got the crown. He's already got the status. But in your life, you're putting him in the right place. Yeah. Repentance honors him, and it's a gift for him, and I'm thankful for it. I'm also thankful that I don't have to wait to repent. Yeah. I, I love that. It's not like, well, Sunday at 1125, when we get to the third song in worship, that's the moment when you can repent. Right now, let's handle this. It's such a gift and it brings so, so much freedom. And as I look at the, the way that, Je- you know, the story of the crucifixion could have gone in so many ways, but there are so many dishonorable things that are done to Jesus along the way. And I really do believe the picture of that dishonor and that mocking and all of that is all a picture of what sin does and what sin creates and, and how, how sin um, treats Jesus, right? And I think it's, it's for us to go, you know what? I really just want to, like, honor God with my heart and my life, right? And just recognize what he's done for me. But then you look at this and you, you're keeping score, right? You're looking and you're going, man, he's going through a lot, they haven't even like, got to the whipping part and like some of the things that he would go through, the 39 lashes, I mean, the stuff. I'm not going to go into the gory details uh, right now. The, what he endured was so powerful and so strong, and it makes you look, golly, day, this is a lot to go through. In Hebrews 12, 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of God, at the right hand of the throne of God. You are his joy. He did this for you you who have put your faith in Christ, it must be a lot of joy to overcome that kind of pain and that kind of sacrifice. I want to tell you today, God says that you were worth it. For some of us, we go, I don't know, I don't know if, I, if going through that, if the joy is great enough for me. And I want to tell you, he says you're worth it. You were worth him enduring everything that he endured. He endured such opposition from sinners. Here's some of Jesus' words from John chapter 15. And John chapter 15 is, by that time in Scripture, like he's really getting ready and getting his disciples ready for the fact that the cross is coming. We just read about the joy set before him I want to talk to you a little bit more about his motivation. John 15, 9 says this. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for his friends, one of his friends. You are his joy. And his motivation was, that he loves you that much. That he, it's because he care, his love for you is that fierce and that strong that he would go through all of this. I tell you, there is no greater love. There's nothing greater than that kind of love that would endure all that for you. I want to tell you today, he loves all of us way more than we realize he cares about all of us way more than we realize. And saving you in every format, from an eternity format, from what you're going through right now, from the things that you've walked through in your life, through like all the parts of saving you. The, he has saved you. He is saving you. He will save you. Like Every part of saving you brings him joy because he loves you that much. And I just want to encourage you today, that, like, as, you, as we're looking at the cross this week and as we're remembering what, he, what he's done, to realize that like, his joy was you and his motivation was his love for you. And there's no greater love in the universe than that kind of love. And let's, let's be real honest. We all want real love, yeah. right? And he loves each and every one of us so perfectly that he was willing to go through all of this. And I look at what he went through and I and I go, Lord, it was so much that you endured, so much that you you walked through um, at the end here. And the disciples were like just completely aloof to what was really going on and totally like caught him flat footed, like what, wait, what? You're getting arrested? Wait, what? You're going to the cross? Wait, what? You're you're gonna die? And can you imagine those first two, you know, two and a half days where they're just like, and now he's gone. And they're just like, what, 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 what is, and and I'll be honest with you, part of um, what was in my heart for this year's kind of Easter series, if you will, was I really wanted to focus today on that side, on this side of the cross, of the fact that he was willing to die and willing to pay and willing to go through all of this, because all of that has to do with what we needed freedom from, which was our sin. And yet, three days later, he rises from the dead. And we're going to go into that more in next week's message. But I'm not asking you to, like, carry the heavy all week. I'm asking you to just be honest with God about where am I resisting you being Lord? Because you paid a dear price, and you want all of me. If you've been serving God for 100,000 years, then, then that's awesome. I think it's great. I would just kindly ask, Lord, is there an area that you want me to relinquish to you? Now, don't go on like one of these like hunts where you're just like, you know, like you're, you're analyzing yourself and you're beating yourself up and you're, you're condemning yourself and certainly don't let the devil give you ideas. He will tell you all the things that are ever wrong with you and then some. He'll tell you about things that God's not even concerned about. Like he will just, he'll harass, don't listen to him. Amen. Great words of advice. Just don't listen to him. Just sit, shut it. But in your own life, like, say, God, Holy Spirit, is there an area? And the thing about the Holy Spirit is, like, he normally makes it kind of obvious, and it's really quick. But isn't he worthy of it all? Is he worthy of every area in your life? When I read this story it makes me want to yield to him more and want to say, God, you have all of me. You are worthy of it all. You gave everything for me, calling me your joy and because you love me. And I just want to encourage you today, for some, some people out there today, and man, I'm going to invite you to come, for some people out there today, like your belief in how much he loves you is wrong. You believe he has to love you. You believe he loves you just because you're another human and he, he said he loves humans but it, it's, not, it's not a devotion kind of love. And, and I want to tell you that that is just a lie. He knows every single story in the room. It's amazing how he can love all of us and love every single One of us. For some of us, what we have endured and what we have walked through and what we the things we have experienced make lie to us and say, I don't think he loves me like he loves other people. That's a lie. It's just not the truth. And I want to encourage you, if you're in that place, stop believing that lie. Everyone left him before the cross. Everyone. We've all fallen short. None of us deserve any of this. But I want to tell you, he loves you just like he loves me. And just like he loves Susie who prays so much and is like so, you know, spiritual. And you know, she never has a problem in her life. I don't know who that Susie is. I want to tell you like his love for you. I feel like for just there's just some folks in here you're just having a hard time believing it. I want you to know not only does he he loves you, he wants you to feel it. The beautiful things about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit helps us feel the things that God is doing. And helps us know there's that softening of the heart and the filling of his spirit in our lives. There's something that just makes us go, man, it really is real. And I I just want to encourage you, just run after him. Because like that prodigal son story, when the father saw the son coming, the father got up and ran. The father got up and said, I've just been waiting for you to make that move. I like to say the father was as we say out here in Goochland he was sitting on ready it's like the son came and he's like I'm gone I'm going right for him Jesus leaves the 99 for the one he sweeps the house for the lost coin you are not the exception to the rule of his love for you do you hear that today you are not the exception what you've been through doesn't make you an exception what you've experienced doesn't make you an exception to the rule. I love the verse, he has been forgiven much, loves much. And I just want to encourage you wherever you are in the journey, go after him this week. Maybe you're in a place where you you need to you need to either reaffirm or you need to cry out and say Jesus, I, I just need all of you and I'm going to yield my life to you and it, If you're in that place today, I would just love to to pray with you before you leave today. There's something that happens in that moment when we yield our life completely to him and we invite him to be our God and our our Lord and our master. There's this thing called being born again, where you actually start life anew and afresh. And it it really does feel like the the sky looks bluer. Like you just feel like, whoa, I feel different And it's because the Holy Spirit has come in your life and you are born again. And there's a new life. You are a new creation. And I want to tell you, He has that for you. Knowing that He exists doesn't make you born again. Receiving Him in your life is what makes you born again. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. And here's how I'm going to pray. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite the the prayer folks, uh, prayer team to come up. And I just want to pray for all of us. And I'm going to pray that this week, that there just be that yielding in our life. One of the greatest ways we honor the cross is to yield our lives to him. Amen. Just pray that God will uh, help us in that process. And it will be clear, not confusing. Life-giving, not condemning. Life-giving, not condemning. Life-giving, not condemning. Amen. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you endured. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your passion for us. Thank you for your deep care. Oh, you're so worthy. I thank you, Lord, that you only had to go through that once. Once and for all, you paid for sin. Once and for all, you took my shame. Once and for all, you took my guilt. And I just want to say thank you today. Lord, this week as we walk through the week and as we just reflect on what you've done for us, we just give you permission for areas in our life, Lord, where maybe we have held back. Not looking for legalism. We're not looking for condemnation. But Lord, we do trust your Holy Spirit. We do trust your love and your mercy and your grace towards us. And we just say, Lord, come and be the Lord of all. You are worthy of it all. Father, for those who've resisted, just let something soften in our hearts. that just says, yes, Lord. And Lord, I just speak a word over those who have struggled to believe that your sincere love, your passionate, fierce love is very real for them. I just pray that today, even this week, they would feel and sense how strong your love is for them. How fierce it is for them. Lord, we love you, and we worship you, and we just say thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for your love. We worship you, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.